Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8. And again, I want to thank you, Pastor, for allowing us to be here. And don't take it lightly standing in another man's pulpit. But I do want to take this opportunity. The Bible says that it's through the foolishness of preaching. Of course, anytime I stand up, that's definitely true. But I was thinking about today and really about tomorrow. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be an American. And I still believe this is the greatest country on the face of the earth. I'm glad God allowed me to be born and live in a country where we can worship Him freely. And we can have a copy of God's Word in our hands. We can carry it out in public. We understand that the devil has been fighting for many, many years. Years ago, allowed really through just some very wicked people to remove prayer and Bible from the school system. And of course, we see that it's been on a decline ever since then. But you know, God is good all the time. And during even those times, God is still sovereign. God is still on the throne. One verse that came to my mind was out of John 8. You don't have to turn there. The Bible says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. How many of you are free today? The blood of Jesus Christ has set us free. I'll tell you, the greatest thing that happened in my life was when I became a Christian. When I got saved. And I, freedom isn't free. There's a price that's been paid. Jesus Christ gave His life that you and I can have eternal life someday. We have the privilege to live in the United States of America and many, maybe even some of your relatives, many of our forefathers and many men and women have given the ultimate sacrifice, they've given their lives, that we can have the benefits that we have today. When you look at the passage that we're about to look at tonight, just giving you a little bit of a background, the Bible says as you get to Acts chapter number 8 that there was persecution, the Bible says, against the church. Of course, the main persecutor of the church at the time was Saul of Tarsus. The Bible says in Acts 8 and verse number 3 that he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. The Bible says something unique in verse number 4, that upon that persecution that they... The Christians, God's people, were scattered abroad, went everywhere preaching the Word. Now think about that. They didn't run for their lives. They didn't run back home where they came from. The Bible says that as they were being persecuted for their faith in Christ, they left there and they took the Word of God that is effectual, that will work in us, that is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's the Word of God that changes people's lives. Now this, was, this wasn't the apostles, this wasn't the leadership of the church, this was people just like you and people just like me who had a walk with God, had a faith in Christ, that were filled with the Spirit, that were bold in their witness, and they went everywhere preaching the Word of God. Now the Bible continues here in this chapter with one by the name of Philip. And the Bible says in verse number 5 that 
Philip, one of those that was mentioned in Acts 6, as God pointed them out that there was a murmuring because of the neglect of the widows, that this was one that many people believe was one of the deacons in the early church. You may differ, but nonetheless, he was a man of God, filled with the Spirit of God. And the Bible says in verse number 5 that he went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ unto them. Now, think about that. He didn't have some new message. What he did was he just continued with the very same message that Jesus Himself preached. That was the message that John the Baptist prepared the hearts as Jesus, the Son of God, came. Philip went to a city known as Samaria. Many of you probably been saved long enough to realize the history of the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. And yet, if you go back to John chapter number 4, you find that Jesus Himself went through Samaria and sat down on Jacob's well and met a woman who probably didn't have the best of reputations. She was probably just like I was before I got saved, or maybe like you were before you got saved. Yet Jesus took time and He gave her water that if she drank of that water, she would never thirst again. And the Bible says that revival began to break out not only when Jesus was with the woman at the well, she went back into town and then the townspeople came out to meet Jesus, the one that told the woman all things that ever she did. But in Acts chapter number 8, Philip kind of continued on the heels of the seed that had already been placed there by Jesus before Philip got there. And a revival broke out. Now, something interesting is that as revival breaks out, God puts His hand by His Holy Spirit on Philip, and He says, Philip, I want you to go. Look what it says here in in Acts chapter number 8, in verse number 26. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose, and he went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah or Isaiah the prophet. Then Philip, excuse me, then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the Scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speakest the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture and preached unto Him Jesus. Now you think about your life. You think about all the good things in your life. And I'm sure that if you would take the time 
And as a child of God, when you sat down and began to maybe write down or in your mind to think about all the blessings that you have in your life over the years, I would dare say that all of us could say that the blessings far outweigh all the bad things in our lives. We are a blessed people. As a matter of fact, the psalmist said this in Psalm 103, verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my God, or O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Now think about that. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Now when you think about this, God's benefits in our lives are really God's dealings with us. The way God deals with us. Now, as I looked at that verse many years ago, that word kind of got my attention, forget not. The word forget not there carries the meaning to misplace or to mislay. Now my wife is here and I love my wife and my wife and I, we've been together, we've been happily married for 27 years. God's given us four wonderful children. But my wife at times... One time we were at the house and my wife said, she goes, I said, what are you looking for? And she's looking all around and she's fumbling around and she's turning things over and she went into this room and came back and went into this room and came back and I said, what are you looking for? She said, I'm looking for my glasses. And I said, they're on top of your head. And she, she went, oh, yeah, right. Now, there have been times where I or my children or the other day one of the girls you know, that van that we travel in, it's only so big on the inside. And one of the girls misplaced an article of clothing. And she looked and looked and said she looked. And every one of them looked. And we took things out of the van. We almost took everything out of the van. We vacuumed the van. I mean, we went through. We went under the seats and we could not find it anywhere. About three or four days later, one of the girls went to get something out of a box. And he was down inside of that box. And she said, I looked everywhere. And she had misplaced it. Now see, what happens in our lives is, is that after we're saved for maybe two years, five years, ten years, or longer, we get to the place where we forget the benefits the dealings of God in our lives. In other words, we misplace them, we mislay them, and we almost act like God doesn't love us anymore. And God help us if we ever get that way because God is good to us all the time. God has blessed us in many, many ways if we would just stop, as the songwriter put, and count your many blessings, name them one by one. I wonder sometimes when people sing that song, I look at their face while they're singing it, and I'm thinking, do they really believe what they're singing? Because if they could stop and think about all the ways, then they'd have a smile on their face instead of a frown. (laughs) God has blessed us in so many ways. Now, Philip came upon this man. He was led by the Spirit to come to this man who was, as the Bible says, he was a eunuch, and he had been placed in charge. He... He was a man of position. And he had come to Jerusalem, and he was, I would put it this way, he was a seeker. He was looking for the truth. And, you know, I'm always glad for people who are searching for the truth. And that's the way this man was. But I think that when you consider chapter number 8, 
from verse number 26 all the way down to the end of the chapter, something happened in this man's life. And I'm a firm believer that when he left, when he was with Philip and then he left the area, he was never the same again. And I personally believe that he never forgot some of the benefits that God brought into his life. For instance, here's one. I believe that the eunuch never forgot the place that he got saved. Now, to me, this was the most unlikely of places because the Bible says here that he was coming from Jerusalem to Gaza. In other words, he was in the desert is where he met God. Our pastor always says, hey look, God wants to bring you out to a place to get you away from everything so that He can speak to your heart, so that He can have your full attention. Every one of us needs a place, a quiet place, where you can get alone with God. But I'm going to tell you something, there is nothing like the place that you first met the Lord and you got saved. For me it was January 22nd, 1984 at Bible Baptist Church in St. Charles, Missouri. I'll never forget the place that I got saved. For me, it was just like Philip. It was it was just like helping this man. I, I too was the exact same way. I didn't know Christ as my Savior. And there was there was a time in my life when God started to chisel away at my hard heart. I mean, I sat for, for years in church and listened and was raised in a Catholic environment and really didn't understand the love of God. But just like in the Bible, you see in the Old Testament where Jacob wrestled with God. But that place that he spent wrestling with God was a special place in his life. Now, I don't know if you've forgotten the place that God first met you, that you first put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I think it's a special place, and I think this eunuch never forgot the place that he got saved. Secondly, I don't think that the eunuch ever forgot the benefit of the person that God used to bring him to the Savior. Do you remember the person that God instrumentally used in your life to bring you the truth so that you could be free in Christ? When I was uh, 17 years old, I started working in a a local restaurant in in the town that I grew up in. And as I started to work there, for me it was just a job. It was just a way to earn money and maybe uh, be able to buy some things as a teenager. And I remember as we started to work, there were many people working there. And uh, as a young man, I was not a saved man. Like I said earlier, I grew up Catholic. I didn't know the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ, even though I'd been raised religiously. And as I worked there, I began to become acquainted with all the people that worked there. And naturally, being a young man, I... I was paying attention to some of the young ladies working there. And I had a good friend named Jim. And me and Jim, we, we were just good friends back then. And Jim and I, we started to notice. And Jim started telling me about this young lady that he had started talking to uh, here and there, maybe on break or before or after work. And I remember one day Jim told me, he said, he said I said, how's, how's things going with you and that young lady you're talking to? He says, man, I don't know. He said, I went by her house. Her family's weird. I mean, they are just weird. I says, really, tell me, what, what's so strange about them? He says, man, I'm telling you. He said, they pray before their meals. 
He said they just, you know, they're just so straight laced. He said they're just, you know, and he began to tell me all this stuff. And for some reason, although I wasn't accustomed to that type of life myself, I remember thinking, well, that don't sound that bad to me. And so I was talking to Jim, and he kind of sounded like maybe this wasn't necessarily a young lady he wanted to spend some time really getting to know better. And so I just said, hey, do you mind if I, uh, I'd like to talk to her? And Jim said, sure, that'd be fine. And, and uh, we never told her that, but, but I, I just said, you know, I'd like to talk to her. And so we began to talk, and over the next really months and almost years, she started to share her faith in Christ with me. She started to tell me about Jesus, things I'd never heard before. And I mean, I had been in church all my life. And I had no understanding of who God really was and what the Bible really had to say. And here's this young lady that really could have just not said anything to me about the Lord and we could have just talked as a young man and a young woman. But but she decided, hey listen, I want to share the truth with this young man. And she just continued to tell me about how much God loved me and that we're all sinners and that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners and how that we can have a home in heaven someday if we put our faith and trust in Christ. And I remember hearing all this and I was trying to soak it all up like this man in this chariot. I remember thinking, how come I've never heard this? How come nobody's ever told me this before? And I remember that after three years that God began to finally convict my heart about what this young lady had been telling me about for almost three years. And I was sitting in the church just like this and I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and I realized in my heart that I was not saved. And I remember just like when Andrew met Jesus and Andrew went and got his brother Simon who was Peter and he said, hey listen, he said, you need to come see the Christ. The Messiah. He went and got his old brother and brought him to Jesus. And I was thinking to myself, how much time that young lady spent sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. She went out of her way and she didn't even really know me. I'll tell you, the greatest decision I ever made was when I put my faith and trust in Christ. When I finally accepted the gift of God, which is eternal life, through Jesus Christ. And... I remember after I did that, I was so excited that I went to that young lady and I said, you know, I said, because you've been so kind to me, I want to be kind to you. And so I asked her to marry me and she's sitting right there on the third row. That's that's her benefit from from helping me to know that I can... No, I'm just kidding. She's thinking to herself, well, I probably made a bad decision when I started talking to you. But God's been good to us over the years. But I'll tell you what, She's my wife. She's my best friend outside the Lord Jesus Christ. But probably the one thing in my life that she'll always hold a special place is that God was God used her. She's the person that brought me to the Savior. There's nothing like that person. I don't, I don't know how long you've been saved. And, and I don't even know if the person that, that God used in your life to bring you to the Savior is still alive. But I'm telling you, if that person's still alive, you ought to call them this week. You ought to write them a note. If they live here in town, you ought to go by and see them. Maybe they're they're no longer with you. Maybe God took them home to be with Him. I I don't know. 
But I'm telling you what, I'm thankful. That's one of the benefits in my life is the person God used to bring me to the Savior. And I don't think this eunuch ever forgot how Philip came out of his way and left a revival to make one soul when he called. And when he came, he shared with this man the truth. See, I don't believe he ever forgot the place he was saved. I don't believe he ever forgot the person God used to bring him to the Savior. Thirdly, I don't think he ever forgot the passage that he was reading from when he got saved. Now, I don't know in your life what it is that God used. I do know some people that God's used a simple gospel tract. And people have picked up that gospel tract and read those verses and bowed their head and prayed and asked the Lord to be their Savior. I don't know if maybe it was a certain message or maybe a certain verse God used or maybe a message on hell that you heard and how that hell is a real place. It's a literal place and you didn't want to go there. And you came forward at an invitation and trusted Christ as your Savior. Maybe like a lot of young people that you went to your mom or you went to your dad and you got on your knees in your bedroom and your mom or your dad led you to Christ. But this passage that he was reading from, every time I look at it, it amazes me. Because look back in your Bible. Because this eunuch says in verse 31, he says, How can I? How can I understand except some man should guide me? Let me ask you the question. When's the last time you guided somebody to the truth of Jesus Christ? When's the last time you took the Word of God and opened it up And you went through the gospel plan of salvation. This man says, hey look, I'm trying to understand it. I don't really fully understand what I'm reading. I mean, you think about it, look what it says here. He says, he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, that he was led as a sheep to the slaughter like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opening not his mouth in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation... For his life is taken from the earth. In verse number 34, the eunuch said to Philip, he said, hey, he says, who is the prophet talking about? Who is it that in his humiliation, who is it that laid his life down? Who is it that put his, let his back be, be put to the smiters? I mean, who was it that was humiliated and shamed in front of all of, of those people during that time? Who's he talking about? And you know clearly from the Scriptures that the Bible says Philip went to the exact same Scripture. He went to Isaiah chapter 53. He opened up the Word of God and he started at the same place. Now do you notice Philip didn't give him some kind of cute little story? Philip didn't use some kind of neat little illustration. He didn't have some poem that he shared with the eunuch. What he did was he went right to the passage. Now think about that. Philip didn't have the privilege like you and I to have a nice little slimline Bible. (laughs) Philip didn't have a Bible that had chapter and verse breaks in it. You know what that meant? That meant that Philip knew his Bible. Now, I don't know if it was a roll or a scroll or a piece of a parchment or a piece of papyri. I don't know what it was that he had, but this man coming away from Jerusalem... He had managed to acquire the book of Isaiah. 66 books. Many people call it a mini-Bible. But he was reading from chapter 53. That's no mistake. He was reading about Jesus. 
that at the time that Philip joined himself to him. And you know what he did? He just started right there in the same passage and he helped this man understand that who Isaiah was writing about was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. See, when you think about what it is that God used in your life, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, the Bible says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Jesus Christ laid His life down. No man took His life from Him. He voluntarily gave. Jesus left the splendors of heaven and came to a sin-cursed world. He came unto His own and His own received Him not, the Bible says. Yet He came anyway. Why? Because He loves us. God loves us. And God wants all of us. God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance, the Bible says. You see, that was a special place for this man because it was the passage that he was reading from that God used in his life. That was one of the benefits that God gave to him. See, I don't think he ever forgot the place that he got saved. I don't think he ever forgot the person God used in his life to bring him to the Savior. I don't think he ever forgot the passage about the Lord Jesus Christ and the suffering that he went through that he might have eternal life. But I think the most important thing is as I think this eunuch never forgot the peace that came over him when he put his faith in Christ. You remember that day in your life when the load of sin was lifted from your shoulders? When it seemed like that your life was changed for all of eternity. You passed from death unto life, the Bible says. Now look at it here in this chapter and we'll be done. The Bible says in verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? By the way, you know, when you think about this, when you trust Christ as your Savior, the scriptural formula would be salvation and then baptism. Oftentimes, People want to get those two things backwards or they believe that baptism is salvation. Yet we find here that the Bible says that even this eunuch knew that after you are saved, he says, hey, here's some water. What's hindering me? What's stopping me? In other words, I want to obey what God wants me to do. And so it says in verse number 37 that Philip said to him, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And look at this. And he, the eunuch, went on his way rejoicing. The peace of God. I mean, boy, there's nothing like seeing somebody gloriously saved. I never get over it. I think the problem with so many Christians is is that as the psalmist wrote, that they have forgot one of the benefits of the Christian life is this matter of salvation. I think the longer people are saved, they kind of get over their salvation. And look, I'm going to tell you something. I've never got over my salvation, and I hope I never do. 
Because the truth is, when I get over my salvation, then I'm going to quit going soul winning. I'm going to quit living for God. I'm not going to have joy in my heart. I'm not going to have a smile on my face. But I just choose to have the joy of the Lord in my life. Matter of fact, I married joy. That's what I did. I want to have joy everywhere I go in my life. I want to rejoice in the benefits of God. Now you think about this. The Bible says in Romans 5.1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you get peace in your life? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, that peace that passes all understanding. I don't know what kind of blessings God's brought into your life, but I guarantee you all of these and more should be a part of your life. Have you forgotten the goodness of God in your life? Have you misplaced some of the benefits that God has given to you? You see, God is good all the time. Last week we had the joy of spending some time. I don't know if you know the man. I think some of you in here would know the man by the name of John Bishop. And Dr. John Bishop is a man that's being, I believe, mightily used by God. He's 60 years old now. But when John Bishop was 43 years old, for whatever reason, God chose to allow the man to have spinal meningitis. When he had spinal meningitis, God took away everything from this man. He couldn't talk. He couldn't walk. He couldn't eat. He was just like a newborn baby. Through time and over these past 17 years, God has allowed Brother Bishop to once again remember, because he had lost everything, including his memory, God had allowed him to remember who his wife was, who his children were, who his friends were. God allowed him to be able to start to walk again. Start to talk again. And every time I get around this man, he is such an encouragement to me. Because he has taken what God brought into his life that many people would look at as a bad thing. And you know what he's done with it? He's taken it and he's using it as a ministry for God. And he calls it, God is good ministries. God is good. Now how can a man that God took everything away from still have that joy and that peace. Because I believe that as God has allowed him to remember some things, God wants you and I to be the exact same way. God wants you tonight to remember something that maybe you have misplaced or mislaid in your life. The goodness of God. God is good. Don't forget all His blessings. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, Pastor, I'm going to let you come and give the invitation as you see fit.